What wonderful advice you just gave me. You all told me that I should be counting my blessings. Because that's why we sing, is to encourage one another to do those things. Brethren, I have a few minutes and I have a lot of material, so I'm only going to give you a little tiny bit of it. I'd like you to open with me to Luke chapter 17, where I will read to you what I hope you read for yourselves last evening. And let's just consider a few things to get us excited, motivated, provoked, convicted, and moving toward being more thankful people and for giving thanks today, tomorrow, Wednesday, Thursday, this week in a way that would honor and glorify the giver of every good and perfect gift, our Heavenly Father. I'm thankful for so many things on vacation. Part of my carnal reading was further research about a subject that I've enjoyed since I was single digits, and that's the Battle of Stalingrad in uh, the Second World War. And the reason I like to study that that particular battle is because to me, in modern military campaigns, it was the worst battle, the most painful with the greatest loss of life and the most trouble, pain, and difficulty by two armies together in a few months than any army has undergone in general. And I love to read about von Paulus, one of the most decorated German military officers, taking 500,000 men into southern Russia to take that great city on the Volga River. And the great loss that he suffered there because the lunatic that was directing him, who was way too overconfident in their military, and the winter caught them without winter uniforms, without proper supplies, proper food, And so in freezing cold, they were taken apart by Russian snipers and a a Russian resolve to defend their city with the stupidity known that the Russians are known for, that we can sacrifice a body for every bullet because eventually they'll run out of bullets, but we won't run out of bodies. That That was their mentality. And when you read about the cold and the suffering and the snipers and the constant threat of death from snipers, you're freezing, you're not fed, you know there's no hope, you know that you cannot retreat to recoup your losses and to regather your forces and to get organized again. I just give thanks to God that upon the Reedy River in the Piedmont of South Carolina, we have not had to make a stand like they did against a foreign army that has marched to take our city. We live in peace. We jump in our vehicles. We turn the key. We drive wherever we want to because we are blessed. Blessed and blessed. That's why I study it since I was a little boy. The 90,000 that finally got to surrender at the end with 410,000 dead under horrible circumstances were not loved by their Russian brothers. It's a long, sorry story. I love to read about and research William Screven, the shipbuilder from England, Somerton, England, that came to Kittery, Maine, married the, the Cut's daughter, who was also a shipbuilder who became a Baptist and was thoroughly convinced of the principles of Baptists that we believe and was baptized and ordained by the First Baptist Church of Boston and sent back to Kittery, Maine to gather together some souls that he had gathered in an unbaptized and unordained situation of others that believe the same thing. I enjoyed finding new research of actual documents from the courts of Maine that describe his position on baptism as saying that infant baptism 
is an invention of the devil. And it's a doctrine of the devil. Things that we might say about infant baptism. And he spent time in prison. And he was fined. And he was threatened. He was threatened that he has to appear in the standing religion of that state, which was the Congregational Church. He was forbidden to have a meeting in his house of Baptists worshiping God. This is in our nation. This is in the 1680s. He was eventually told that if he was not going to submit to the laws of the state, then he needed to get out of the state. And to that he agreed. And he took a 28-member church and they came down to Charlestown, South Carolina. And they went up the Ashley River. Listen, brethren, there wasn't a whole lot of infrastructure in those days. Right. You, did, you didn't just go into a subdivision and buy yourself a new house. Do you hear me? Amen. This is why. It, this is why I'm telling you the story. There is no infrastructure. You go up the Ashley River. You see a section of woods that looks decent. And you build yourself houses, and you build yourself infrastructure, and you figure out where you're going to get your water from, and you figure out what you're going to grow, and you figure out how you're going to make your little savings from New England last until you can get established. What do we have to do? We have to get up and turn the keys in our cars, pull out of our garages, or if we don't have garages, and make our way here. We, we go home to homes where we turn a little faucet and out comes hot water. We go to a refrigerator that keeps all this food cold for us. And if you want something long term, it's in the freezer. And it's in a pantry. We have these things called pantries. They're overstuffed. The things that bother us most about our pantries is that they're so crowded with stuff. Driven out of his home. A church like ours Why haven't we had the authorities walk into this place, shut this meeting down, put me in prison, and then put me on trial with their best minister about the doctrine of baptism? Now that part of that would be fun. But you know, the consequence of it wouldn't be fun. Because the consequence is being put back in your cell. The consequence is being fined. The consequence is having to leave the state. Here we are. Anybody going to leave the state? Listen, there's 400 other Baptist churches in this town. And while we may make fun of some of their doctrines sometimes, guess what? Most of them still want to be called Baptist churches. Thank the Lord that you don't have to be Elisha Screvin and go 60 miles north of Charlestown to Georgetown, named after King George. It's nothing but swamp. The preacher that came out of that place was, was the chaplain for the Swamp Fox. Because that's how they fought the British. It's nothing but swamp. It was turned into rice plantations, not cotton plantations. There wasn't any dirt. It's rice plantations. Because it's swampy. Right. Now figure that you're up there, Elisha Screvin. You've got a couple hundred slaves. You've got your family. How are you going to establish yourself? You gonna go down to the hardware and buy what you need to get your house built? You gonna go to Lowe's and ask them for a prepackaged plan for your house? What's the state church of South Carolina? The Church of England. So what do you do? You lay out the city of Georgetown in honor of the King George. You give two acres to the Church of England, but you put one acre right beside it. Antipato Baptist Church of Christ. And then you have a street named after you ending at that church. Screven Street. And you have Broadway ending at the Church of England. Yes, I love those brothers. Do you love those brothers with me? But I'm asking you, are you thankful? 
How do you go into a swamp and say, this is where I'm going to settle? Settle in a swamp. We are so blessed. You're all driving home to high ground. My mother that I hugged for 54 years is in a cold, damp, dark box eight feet under the ground a few miles from here. I don't like her body being there. She can't hear me sing. She can't sing with me. But the next note that she's going to hear is from the archangel's trump. And she will hear it. She's going to come out. And the Bible says, but thanks be to God that giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ talking about that very thing. But I want to tell you this, though I can't hug my mother, I'm so thankful to God for giving me the mother that I had for 54 years. So you see how blessed I am. I can read about Von Paulus and the German 6th Army at the Battle of Stalingrad. I can read about William and Elisha Screven in Georgetown and Charlestown. And I can think about my mother. In every case, it just turns out to be thanksgiving to God. I don't have to go establish a place for my family in a swamp. It's amazing. We're babies. We've never experienced hardship. We've never seen real trouble. Bless the Lord with me. Thank everything. I did that so that when you're driving today, when you're driving tomorrow, when you're thinking this week, no matter what happens, thank God for what you have and what you are, your jobs. Do you know what your job could be? Getting a rice plantation started in a swamp. Unbelievable. How did they have the vision? You know, my vision doesn't extend beyond giving the checkbook to Sherry and saying, go fill the pantry. To go into a swamp and get something out of it to live on? I'd starve to death instantly. The thought of it would kill me. The Lord's had mercy on us. So much mercy. And He wants us to bless and praise His holy name. We're in Luke chapter 17, verse 11. And it came to pass, as He went to Jerusalem, this is of the Lord Jesus Christ, that He passed through the midst of Samaria and Galilee. And as he entered into a certain village, there met him ten men that were lepers, which stood afar off. And they lifted up their voices and said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. And when he saw them, he said unto them, Go show yourselves unto the priests. And it came to pass that as they went, they were cleansed. And one of them when he saw that he was healed, turned back and with a loud voice glorified God and fell down on his face at his feet, giving him thanks. And he was a Samaritan. And Jesus answering said, Were there not ten cleansed? But where are the nine? There are not found that return to give glory to God Save this stranger. That means a stranger from the commonwealth of Israel. A Samaritan instead of a Jew. I want you to notice just a couple things I've preached on this before. And I wish you would consider it in its detail, but I can't do that right now. I want you to notice that he turned back in verse 15. We cannot just keep on going. You can't just go to work 
and think that you're giving thanks. You cannot just go to church and think that you're giving thanks. You cannot just eat and have that little tiny prayer before you eat and think that that's sufficient giving thanks. You need to turn back. Stop your progress. Stop what you were doing and to turn back and give glory to God. He turned back. He didn't just keep going. Well, when I get this over with the priest, no, as soon as he knew that he had a blessing, he wanted to thank God. And with a loud voice, (coughs) we need to be heard. Speak your mind. Get your heart out there. Bless God. Thank God. Praise God. With a loud voice. This is in the Bible, and I believe every single word of it, and I believe every single word ought to be emphasized. With a loud voice, he glorified God. Do you want to give glory to God? There are limited ways in which we can give glory to God, but this is a way in which He has chosen, and what a wonderful way it is to, with a loud voice, stop your ordinary activities, turn back, and give glory to God. Think them up. I'll help you think them up. If your mind is constipated, come and see me. Write me. Ask me. I will tell you blessings about your life that I know about. And I'm not the end all of thanksgiving. I I want to be more thankful. I want to bless the Lord more. But I do know things about each of you for which you should and could be greatly thankful. But he glorified God with a loud voice. And he fell down on his face, meaning we don't have it in ourselves. We don't deserve it. We are unworthy of the least of all his mercies and favors and truth that God has shown us. And he falls at the feet of the Lord Jesus Christ, giving him thanks. With a loud voice, he glorified God. And how did he do that? He gave him thanks. And he was a stranger. He wasn't even a Jew. And the question of the Lord Jesus is, were there not ten? Were there not ten? Right. Where are the nine? Are you one of the nine or are you one of the one? Are you the one? Right. Very few really give God the glory. David gave God the glory. If you've ever read the Psalms, you know that David had a heart full of thanksgiving. And when you wonder... Why did God delight in David so much? One of the reasons, and I've taught you before in a a series called The The Heart of David, is his thankfulness. He loved to write new songs and thank God for things spiritual, national, and natural. And so should we. Brother Newell, thank you for Wednesday night's sermon about contentment and how it should cover up all your regrets about life. Wonderful. This is one of the easiest subjects, and I hope it excites you, but there's a curse attached to it, brethren. And you know, I could turn you to so many places, but I'm going to turn you to Deuteronomy chapter 28. And if you've been there before and you already know this, then great. Because that means this week you're going to be one of the leaders in this assembly giving thanks. But I have to tell you about the curse of thanksgiving, which is what God will do if we're not thankful. Deuteronomy chapter 28. Verse 47, Deuteronomy 28, 47, Because thou servest not the Lord thy God with joyfulness and with gladness of heart for the abundance of all things, therefore shalt thou serve thine enemies, which the Lord shall send against thee in hunger and in thirst and in nakedness and in want of all things. And he shall put a yoke of iron upon thy neck until he have destroyed thee. Now that is one ugly combination in that 48th verse. I don't want any of that. God's given us the abundance of all things, and if you don't think he can take it away, he can take it away from you in different ways. He can leave your mouth filled and your heart lean. 
which is worse than having your mouth empty. Look, can you read that? Joyfulness and gladness of heart for the abundance of all things. If you don't show me some joyfulness, and if you don't show me some gladness for the abundance of all things, then I'm going to put a yoke of iron on your neck, and I'm going to take away your food, and I'm going to take away your clothing, and I'm going to take away everything that you have that's of comfortable. I'm going to take away the abundance of all things, and you're going to want for all things until I have destroyed you. This is the God that we're dealing with. The God that can say, I will have mercy on whom I will have mercy expects us to be thankful when He chooses to show us mercy. And we have had more mercy shown to us than these people by far. Do you know where these people lived when He wrote these words? And it's called the abundance of all things? They're in the wilderness. They've been wandering for 40 years. You say, well, they were going to take a land that had the wells dug. Do you know what a dug well meant then? It meant that you had to get out there with your bucket in order to get that water out. It meant that you had a chamber pot. What's a chamber pot? Write me an email this afternoon. I'll help you. What did they have? Oh, they had vineyards that had been planted by the Canaanites. Yes. And I can go to Total Wines on Woodruff Road. And they've got 10,000 bottles already sealed and laid out there with descriptions for me and people wandering around to help the idiot figure out what he ought to buy. We are so blessed. You'll say, well, they had cities walled up. Who wants a city walled up? I want a city without walls. And the Bible describes a real blessing of God as a city that doesn't need walls because all your enemies are at peace with you. I don't want walls. We don't have any. Are you blessed? Okay, we have the abundance of all things more than anyone that ever came before us. God hates whiners and complainers. What does He do to them? He burns them up. I don't have time to take you there. It's Numbers chapter 11. Start at verse 1. It's Numbers chapter 14. When the report of the ten spies was heard over the report of the two spies, and they whined and complained about the land of plenty, the land flowing with milk and honey that God wanted to give them. And God said, fine, I like what you've said. I'll kill you in the wilderness. Let's not be there. Let's not go there. He will show us more in everything that's important to you by His measure of what would make you the happiest and bless you the most and be the most glorious to His name. He will bless you in those ways if you'll be thankful for what He's done already for you. Amen. Because He's already done so much. That's right. Thanksgiving is giving thanks. Being thankful is appreciating the kindness and favors shown by another. But giving thanks is actually expressing that appreciation and gratitude by saying something to the Lord. So you've got to say it. You've got to tell Him, thank you for the mother you gave me for 54 years. Thank you that I don't have to do anything like William and Elisha had to do. Thank you that I live a life of peace, not like Von Paulus ended toward the end of his life. I got We've got to tell Him. Thank you for creating me so that I can know you. Thank you for saving me and putting me in verse 15 that you will have mercy upon whom you will have mercy and not putting me in verse 18 and whom you will you harden. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. It's a glorious thing. I read the verses to you already from Psalm 69. The Lord hath more delight even in the Old Testament than a bringing a rich man's gift. Boy, when you've got an ox... What's an ox? It is a means of production. 
It is a capital asset. It is heavy equipment. But when you bring that to the Lord, He still wanted you to sing His praise and give thanks as being more meaningful to Him and better than that offering. So many more verses. I have pages and pages single-spaced for you on this subject because it is a wonderful subject. It is called a sacrifice over and over. Even in the New Testament, it's called the sacrifice of our lips, giving praise to His name. It's the sacrifice that He wants from us. He's made the great sacrifice. It was His Son. He sacrificed His Son for us. But we give back sacrifices. One of the sacrifices is our bodies a living sacrifice to the Lord. And it's a temple of the Holy Spirit. And we should treat it as such. But not involving it in sins and degradation that brings the Spirit of God down into sin. But it's a sacrifice when we can open our lips and just tell Him that we're thankful for the great things He's done for us. There are so many that were known in the Bible for it. Look at look at Leviticus chapter 7. Leviticus chapter, I'll, I'll not be long. I just want you to get excited because this is exciting to God. Amen. The Lord loves a thankful people, and we should be the most thankful people. When you read the Bible, and when you read human history since the Bible, and you measure a people by natural things, the comforts of their home. How many stories do you have, you know? How many rooms do you have? How many bathrooms do you have? You don't have an outhouse. You have a bathroom. But you don't just have a bathroom in most cases. You have bathrooms. Multiple bathrooms. And it just goes on and on. Things natural. Things national. Go read 1777's Proclamation for Thanksgiving by Continental Congress. Pick out a penny and just look at it. In God we trust. And they didn't mean, nor did it ever cross the mind of a single person at the mint or the Congress of this country that they meant Allah. Right. It never crossed a single mind. It was Jehovah. Things spiritual. Jesus Christ electing grace, the Word of God, and preachers to tell us about it. Amen. A church to worship in. It's the fellowship with brethren of like precious faith. We're so blessed. Look at Leviticus chapter 7. I just want to show you that there were particular sacrifices and the ordinances for them that were for thanksgiving. Leviticus 7, beginning at verse 11. And this is the law of the sacrifice of peace offerings, which he shall offer unto the Lord. If he offer it for a thanksgiving, then he shall offer with the sacrifice of thanksgiving unleavened cakes mingled with oil and unleavened wafers anointed with oil and cakes mingled with oil of fine flour fried. Sounds like hush puppies. Forgive me. They had to bring something. They had to bring something. Jeff thinks it's Krispy Kreme donuts. Besides the cakes, he shall offer for his offering leavened bread with the sacrifice of thanksgiving of his peace offerings. Notice that it goes on and describes these thanksgiving offerings. What do we do with for thanksgiving? The Lord doesn't want any flour fried. He just wants the fruit of our lips giving praise to his name. 
Can you say His name? I thank God through Jesus Christ my Lord. Like the Apostle Paul would. I thank the Lord Jehovah for in the government of the affairs of nations He has blessed me to be landed here in the Piedmont of the Carolinas. I thank God who is the captain of the host for ordering the affairs of militaries that we are saved from the Volga River and its consequences and so forth and so on. Bless His name. They had sacrifices for it. And they had ordinances for those sacrifices. Look at Psalm 50. Look at Psalm 50. The blessings of thanksgiving. There's blessings attached. Oh, there's so much that could be said. I'm, brethren, just get excited about being thankful. And then don't just be thankful. Express your thankfulness so others can hear you. And express it loudly. And glorify God. And lift Him up. And make your family thankful. And make your family give thanks. This is worship you need to lead your families in. Think of everything that you can to be thankful. In Psalm 50, there are, there are a number of things here, but let me point out two. Verse 14, Offer unto God thanksgiving, and pay thy vows unto the Most High, and call upon me in the day of trouble. I will deliver thee, and thou shalt glorify me. Do you want God to deliver you? Do you want God to deliver your family? Well, that's des- that deliverance is described in verse 15. You need to go back up to verse 14 and find out what those that are delivered did. They offered unto God thanksgiving and they paid their vows unto the Most High. So offer thanksgiving. And giving thanks means it's got to come out of your mouth. I, we've been there before. It's called the calves of your lips. Instead of cutting a calf's throat, bleeding it out, and burning it on an altar, you offer calves of your lips. You bring with you words. Hosea 14, 1-3. through 3. You bring with you words and give them to the Lord. That's thanksgiving because you're giving thanks. You're not just thankful. There were nine lepers that were thankful. Trust me. The nine lepers were racing to the priest so excited as they saw that they were cleansed and the priest was going to say they could come back into society. They were thinking of what clothing store they were going to go to and get some new duds to get back among the population. They were thankful in that sense of the word. But only one gave thanks. Only one used his loud voice at the feet of Jesus to praise and glorify Him for having healed Him. Verse 23, Whoso offereth praise, those that give thanks and praise God with thanksgiving, whoso offereth praise glorifieth Me. Isn't that exactly what we read about that leper? He glorified God with a loud voice. says that. He glorified God with a loud voice, giving thanks. Whoso offereth praise, that is thanksgiving for the great things God has done, glorifieth me. And to him that ordereth his conversation aright will I show the salvation of God. If you want the Lord intervening on your behalf, then you be a thankful person. The Lord will bless you. This is no Joel Osteen sermon. This is straight out of the Word of God. There's blessings attached. What should you be thankful for? I like the one that I ended with this morning's sermon. In this rejoice not, Jesus told His apostles, that the spirits are subject unto you, but rather rejoice because your names are written in heaven. 
Do you know that the God of heaven, in an act of pure sovereignty, mercy, and compassion, wrote my name in the book of life of the Lamb slain? Incredible. My name is written in heaven. It is written down. It's in writing. It's in the law books. And when I stand before the judge, I will have a lawyer, an advocate with the Father, a mediator between God and men, who is going to find my name in the book of life. And I will be delivered from the books of my works. And we will give him glory. And Jerry's going to be trying to outdo me. And I'll be trying to outdo him. And I hope that some of you are thinking to yourselves, I don't know who the two of you are. Because you're going to be second and third. Amen. We just want it. We're going to be giving God the glory. Right. But He wants us to glorify Him now because He told His apostles, don't get excited about these apostolic gifts that I've given you. Don't start wearing white suits and patent leather white shoes thinking you're something important with your so, with your miracle power. And that man doesn't even have any. Give thanks that your names are written in heaven. Right. Behold, what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us, that we should be called the sons of God. Is that something to be thankful for? Oh, I know you're going to thank God for the turkey and the stuffing in it and the gravy sitting beside it. But please, can we lift our eyes a little bit higher than that? That's a good thing to be thankful for. Even Jesus at the Last Supper thanked God for those simple little elements that he had. But behold, what manner of love that we should be the adopted children of God. David the psalmist called for thanksgiving for God's holiness, for God's goodness, for God's mercy, for God's precious word. Do you know how thankful he was in Psalm 119? Have you read all those verses to see how thankful he was for the word of God? How about understanding the word of God? Did our fathers in the faith in Nehemiah chapter 8 have a thanksgiving service? Right. And send portions? Did they drink the sweet and eat the fat? And send portions for those who couldn't fix anything? Why? Because they had understood the teaching of God's Word. In Nehemiah chapter 8, we must be thankful to God for converting us to the truth. We are bound to give thanks. You know, one of my most popular verses from the pulpit in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, Even the ability and willingness to give to the Lord deserves thanksgiving. As David tells us in 1 Chronicles chapter 29, about verses 6 through 14, where he sees the princes of Judah and Israel give so much toward the building of the temple. He was so moved by it, and the people were all moved by it, that he asked the Lord, keep this forever in the imagination of the thoughts of the hearts of your people. We should be thankful when we're thankful that God has made us thankful because God is not in all the thoughts of the wicked and they are never thankful. If you're thankful, it's because God worked in you both to will and to do of His good pleasure and giving thanks is very pleasing to Him. Everything in all things is what the Bible says. In everything give thanks. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Do you want to know what God's will is for your life? In everything give thanks, for this is the will of God 
in Christ Jesus concerning you. Take it as personally as you want to. Amen. Are you thankful for arms? I'm thinking of Isaiah 45, 9 and 10. And your work. It hath no hands. Now what if God wants to make a couple club-armed, a man with club arms? Do you have hands? Squeeze them. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for ten fingers, fingernails. Thank you. Everything give thanks. The song, Count Your Many Blessings, is such a good thing. Sit down with a piece of paper. Just start scribbling them out. You're going to get confused, so you've got to make categories. Natural, national, spiritual. You can make them family, financial, professional, health. You can make them whatever you want. But list them. You'll never list enough. The Bible tells us that we cannot count them up to the Lord. It's an infinite number. It's beyond our comprehension. It's beyond our recollection. But for what we're able to remember and putting some effort into remembering and then expressing it to Him and to those under your care, especially if you're a father. Children, but especially teens, can you make a list that you're the most blessed on earth? A little exercise that I've given some before. You teenagers who are thinking about all the things that you're missing in your life, sit down with a piece of paper and work through enough to know that you're the most blessed on earth. You say, well, that's impossible. There's somebody that's got more stuff than me. When does stuff make you the most blessed? The Bible says that stuff is a detriment. It's a distraction and it's deceitful. If you have a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ, though you were a pauper, you're a prince in the kingdom of heaven. You're the most blessed. List the reasons why. Tell the Lord. Take it to your parents. I believe I'm the most blessed because your parents should be in that list. The Word of God should be in that list. You're the most blessed. You know, teenagers are going through a terrible period of transition, or it can be, to some. And they're not thankful enough. They can be thankful. Still the most blessed? You should never pray without giving thanks. Make it a rule. You know, I've given you five things to remember when you pray before, but one of them, and the only one I'm going to mention right now is thanksgiving. God will give you a peace that passes all understanding when you commit your cares to Him with supplications and prayer with with thanksgiving. Colossians 4.2 says the same thing about being instant in prayer, but including thanksgiving with it. The churches of Christ were known for public thanksgiving and the saying of Amen. When someone gave thanksgiving in a New Testament church, when they gave thanks to God, the apostles said, I don't want tongues being spoken in public unless there's an interpreter, because those that don't know the language will not know when you're giving thanks, and they won't know when to say Amen. And so when there's, when there's praise being given to God, and thanks is being offered up to God, we should be saying Amen because that is scriptural. Because we're agreeing. God deserves that praise. God deserves that thanksgiving. God has been good to us. I appreciate knowing while I was gone that Jerry gave thanks for the providence of God in his life from Psalm 107 because Psalm 107 tells us to consider the things of life 
and to consider the experiences that God has brought you through and how He is, has delivered you. And it concludes with this verse, Whoso is wise, do you want to be wise? And will observe these things, even they shall understand the loving kindness of the Lord. If you want to be wise, then you will observe these things, how that God has led you all the days of your life. Even they shall understand the loving kindness of the Lord. Because it's all around you. And brethren, there isn't a thing in the world wrong with having a big feast on Thursday or Wednesday or both days. Having a feast is part of Bible celebration. And that's why in my prayer, though very reverent and very sober, and God knows my heart, I made fun of our religion from the eyes of a natural man that thinks Bible Christianity is an onerous religion. It's a wonderful religion. Deuteronomy 14.26 Get whatsoever thy soul lusteth after, thou and thy family and thy household, and rejoice before the Lord with 10% of your gross income. How's that hard? That's the Lord. That's under the Old Testament. Under the New Testament, they had feasts of charity. David, when he was rejoicing with all his might at moving the Ark of the Covenant, sent everyone home with the fare that I've given you before. Nehemiah chapter 8 that I've already mentioned. Drink the sweet, eat the fat. Give portions of that food so that everybody's eating all they want and rejoicing before the Lord. As you enjoy the taste and the flavors, the texture and the abundance of the things that God has given us, it should lift our, our hearts and our minds higher than the fare on the table to bless Him for all the other things that He's given us. He has been so good to us in every area of your life. Stop and count up your many blessings and see what the Lord has done. When you are discouraged, when you are tempest-tossed, count your many blessings and see what God hath done. And tell Him that you're thankful. Because if for whatever reason you think your life is bad, it can get, oh, so much worse. He can put a yoke of iron on your neck and you will suffer the want of all things until He destroy you. He is not a bad God. He is a glorious good God. But in His righteousness, He just expects that people who deserve nothing, when they're pardoned, adopted, blessed, and have things poured out upon them in abundance, there should come up a little bit of incense and some sacrifice of praise from their mouths. Right. Let's make sure we do it. May God bless the preaching of His Word, and may He by His Spirit make us the most thankful people. Amen. Amen.